Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hope Church. If we have yet to meet, my name is Mark. I am the pastor here, and I am so excited to be able to be here and worship together. Uh, Wasn't that last song just fantastic? I tell you what. It really struck me a lot while I was thinking about what it means to open up our heart to God. And that is, of, of course, it means find a way to make ourselves vulnerable so that we can get out of ourselves and realize that, well, God is God and we are not. That's one of those biggest challenges that we we face as humans. Uh, We want to have it our way right away, and that is, uh, even though it's an old Burger King commercial slogan, uh, that is a great definition of original sin. And so what we're doing right now is we are bringing the second installment in our dollars and cents message series. Last week, we kicked it off, and we talked about the necessity of having a habit or a rhythm of generosity. God is constantly the pouring out blessings on us. God is the source from whom all things flow, and God wants us to be those conduits and channels for His generosity to flow to other people. And so as we bring us into our topic for today, go ahead and open up if you have your Hope Church Plus app handy. Uh, I've also, in the live stream links for on YouTube as well as Facebook, I posted a link to the follow-along notes if you would like to follow along. Uh, but today we are talking about how God rewards financial faithfulness. God rewards financial faithfulness. Have you ever experienced this to be true? Yes, I, I have. And I'll tell you what, one of my favorite examples of how God worked in our family's life, uh, and I might have told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again anyway, because it speaks so profoundly to how God blesses financial faithfulness. Years and years and years ago, uh, Tiffany and Ethan was just tiny elementary school, maybe not even elementary school age yet, uh, and we got into this uh, rib- rhythm or habit of going down to Disney World a couple times a year. Great way for us to spend time as a family doing some fun things and experiencing some new exciting stuff. And, uh, and one year, uh, we got into October, which is when Tiffany's birthday is, and we decided that we were going to go down to Disney World and we were going to go experience the Halloween party. Uh, and in order to make sure we had enough money for our trip, we decided not to... Uh, give our full pledged amount to the church that month. And by the time we got to our trip for Disney World, we were so broke. I mean, it was like we couldn't really enjoy it. And we knew that there was something else at play there. Now, fast forward to December, which is when my birthday is, we wanted to go down there for the very happy, merry Christmas party. But we decided that we were going to make our gift to God at the church first, and then of course, plan for Christmas and things like that. And then we get to our birthday trip. We had a great time at Disney World. And by the time we got to the end of the month, 
where we normally were rubbing two pennies together, we actually had some money left over. Now, whatever it was, I don't know that it was necessarily God making or multiplying our uh, finances, but I definitely think what happens, we made that commitment to give that gift to God first, that God isn't just blessing the percentage of what we give. God blesses the whole amount. God blesses the whole thing. And that's what, oh, look at me, I'm on my tippy toes. I get excited. So that's, that's what it is that we are considering and exploring. We talk about God rewarding financial faithfulness. And so we're going to talk about this as the next step beyond developing that habit or that rhythm of generosity. Now, our preview verse for this, this morning comes from Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. And this we see a message from Jesus. He said, the master replied, this is part of a parable. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Come and share your master's happiness. What we see here, carrying over from last week, is how God is indeed the source of all of the gifts and the blessings that we have. God is the one from whom they come. And he offers them into our lives so that we can use the gifts that we have to help bless God's family, to help bless God's church, to help bless the community, to help bless all of creation. We become those vessels. We become those conduits, if you will. And so God is going to reward our financial faithfulness. When we are faithful with little things, God puts us over many things. And what we see here is that money becomes the acid test of your faithfulness. Money becomes the acid test of your faithfulness. Do you know what the history of the acid test is? Anybody? It goes back to the mid-18th century to 19th century when people, geologists, scientists, miners, were trying to figure out if they had come across pure gold. They would put a little bit of acid on it to reveal the purity of the gold. And so we think about how money becomes an acid test for our faithfulness. What we also see is that the acid that we might have used on a rock or a gem in order to reveal if it was pure gold or not is exactly how God works within the miracles of abundance in our own lives. God wants us to use our Gentle, or our gentleness, our generosity, I guess it comes with gentleness too, but God wants us to use our generosity as an acid test, if you will, to find out how true our faith is. And this is an uncomfortable concept for us, isn't it? We talked about that last week, about how so frequently we look at the world as though we see a scarcity of not having enough resources, but God has never run out of resources yet, and God's never going to run out of them. It comes down to our faithfulness. Can we give freely and faithfully, even when we may not necessarily know what is in store for us in the future, can we be faithful and generous with the resources that God has put in our lives so that the world may know that God is real? It's much like my little opening illustration. We held back at first and didn't have enough. We gave, and God blessed with an abundance. There are stories in many people's lives about how God uses generosity and money 
as the acid test for our faith. Are we willing to let go so that we can give to God that which belongs to him? And so the way that God blesses financial faithfulness, we see that there are two kinds of rewards. Now, there are many kinds of rewards, but two in a kind of a generic, general sense, two kinds of rewards. The first is the law of compensation. God rewards you for wise stewardship. God rewards you for wise stewardship. I can think of a time that really comes back to when we adopted our daughter Mia, when we put all that we had in an investment that my grandfather left me after he passed away into her adoption. And we're not talking about a huge amount of money, just a couple thousand dollars. But what we did, and we gave it forward say, God, I know that you want this to be done, so we put that money in there. And then we went through the entire adoption process, and we get back home, and we end up getting a refund from the adoption agency that was equal to the amount of money that we put in it in the first place over the course of years. It's an extraordinary thing. And it just so turned out that that money equaled our out-of-pocket uh, health insurance premiums so that when we had to start taking her to the hospital, we had the cash on hand in order to do that. Now, we didn't know that when we put that money into the adoption process in the very beginning. We didn't know that while we were trying to raise money. We were traveling in China and all the things that were going along with that. We didn't know all that, but God knew it. And God compensated us for that faith to put it out there first so that we ultimately had the money when we needed to start going to the hospital, which... That was, a, that was a, an acid test for your soul. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to get off on that. So the law of compensation is about how God rewards us for wise stewardship, about putting ourselves out there first. When we talked about that last week, putting yourself out there for Jesus. The second aspect of this, how God rewards us, is through promotion. The law of promotion, how God rewards responsibility with more responsibility. This is very much like training us from when we are children, right? All the way through school, into our early work days, and into a career. We start with little responsibilities, things that are really more designed about teaching us the discipline and the rhythm, if you will, than actually about doing, say, chores, right? It's more important to begin to get that rhythm, to get that habit of putting yourself out there so that you can learn responsibility, deserve and earn trust, and then be given more, right? When I first started teaching Ethan to drive, our first trip was around a very simple cul-de-sac in the back of our neighborhood. That was it. Once he mastered how to turn the wheel and accelerate, decelerate, hit the brakes, then we got out on the street. And eventually, you know, now he's driving all over creation. It was just that little bit to say, okay, can you manage how to turn the wheel, how to hit the gas, come off the gas, hit the, to apply the brakes, right? We also learned how to change a tire on that first trip. But all of that, <laughs> all of that speaks to the law of promotion, right? All of it speaks to the law of promotion. The more that we learn with the little things, the more that we get and the more that God blesses us and holds us accountable with. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and 
money. Last week, when we opened up the series, we talked about how some say that Jesus talked more about money than anything else, which is incomplete. Jesus did talk about money, but Jesus talked about it from the point of view of the kingdom of heaven. This verse speaks specifically to that is that we are going to be devoted to something. We are created with this innate need to worship, and we are going to worship, we are going to serve a master. It's either going to be God, or it's going to be money, as Jesus spoke about it here. Do a quick acid test on yourself right now. What is the master of your life? Where do you put your concern? Where do you put your priority? Are you able to keep God as the forefront of your heart and your life? Or do you worship the things that money provides to you? We see on the next slide that money is a terrific servant, but a terrible master. Why do you think money is a terrible master? What do you think? Interactive message time. Why do you think money is a terrible master? Say that again, John. I can lead you all kind of bad places, right? What else? What was that? Was that Lisa? Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Never take a break. What else? Selfishness. Yeah. Yeah, man. What was that again? Self-serving. Yep. What else? The more you get, the more you want, right? I think it was Rockefeller that was once asked, how much money is enough? He said, just a little bit more. What else? Money is exhaustible, isn't it? As much as we've tried, we can't get it to grow on trees. It's exhaustible. We can run out of it. And then when we begin to see it slipping, what ends up happening? A lot of those things we talked about. Fear as opposed to faith. Money is a terrific servant, but a terrible master. So if we allow money to become a servant in our life of faith, what is it that we can do with our money? Help me out. What, what can we do with our financial resources? Serve others? Support the needy? Give to the church? That's right. There's like an outpost of God's grace and blessings here in Paulding County. We need that. Paulding County needs it. The world needs it. It also reveals to us when we are faithfully giving that we have a belief that the source isn't in our own hands, but it comes from God. It reminds us consistently of that acid test of faith to reveal if our faith is genuine, if it is pure, it is golden. Now, that's not to say that if you haven't experienced the victory with that yet, that you won't, because God is constantly working to test us. I'm not saying God is tempting us, but God is testing us to make sure that we have that purified faith. You know how metalsmiths, metallurgists, silversmiths, goldsmiths purify heat, right? And it's when they can see their reflection in the molten metal that they know that it's been purified. This is how God works within that refiner's fire, so to speak, 
to test our faithfulness. Are we willing to put ourselves out there, put ourselves out there for Jesus? Now, here's a line that could be easily misconstrued or confused, and uh, more on that in a moment. But what we see here is when it comes to giving, God is much more interested in what's in your heart than what's in your wallet. What God really wants is your willingness, not your wealth. Now, it might be easy then for us to say, well, I am willing to give it all away as long as I don't have to, right? I thought that was a little funnier, but, you know, at least a couple people got it. This, I think, is where the acid test strikes me the most, right? Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is that area where we have to say, I am willing to give it all away. Just don't make me do it. We also see this in other areas of life, right? Like change. I'm not talking about, you know, pocket change, but changing things in our life. We all want change until we want to have to change. We see these things play out over and over again, but it comes back to this idea of where are we putting our faith and our hope? We're putting it in money. We're putting it in material things. We're putting it in God, the source from whom all blessings flow. These are the types of things that we have to get right in our spirit. And so God wants to test our willingness to make sure that we know that the wealth that we seek and the wealth that he gives us of life and life everlasting is what is ultimately most important. Jesus had an encounter with people who misunderstood wealth when he was speaking to some of the Pharisees. And people were coming and they were bringing their offerings to the temple. I think I've mentioned it before, but oftentimes the Pharisees in particular were so dedicated to ensuring that they gave a tithe or a tenth percent of everything that they had. They would even go as far as to count the leaves on their bushes and their trees and bring one out of every ten. They got so legalistic about it. But they were looking at it from the point of view that us putting this gift out here is so critically important that it becomes the most important. But then there's this widow who comes at the same time, and she drops two little coins called mites, which are equivalent to basically two of the pennies that we might use in our life. And she dropped those two pennies in the offering. And how did Jesus respond? He said, all of you who are going so far as to even bring me one out of every ten leaves on the bushes and the trees and the plants in your garden and in your home have given infinitely less than this widow who gave her two pennies. And why is that? In this message of the widow's might or the widow's offering, what we see is that the widow gave out of what she had. Whereas the mindset of the Pharisees was they were going to give out of what they had left over. They counted for themselves what was theirs, and then they went through the painstaking process of figuring, okay, how do I bring one out of every ten leaves from a tree or bush or plant? The story of the widow's offering speaks into the heart of how it is that Jesus wants us to approach our life of generosity. God spared nothing, even giving us his one and only son, 
And he asks us to be generous because God himself is generous. He doesn't want us to spare our things or to hold on to our things to clamp and to grab. He wants us to be generous. He wants us to open our hands and to share and say, I'm giving to you, God, from what I have, not from what I have left over. And I'll tell you what, if that is not one of the most challenging statements that I can make or feel or think about in my own life, that is the acid test of my own faith when it comes to living a life of generosity, friends. I don't know what else would be. It is so easy for us to slip into that trap of getting out of giving out of what we have left over, not out of what we have. But I stand before you as someone who supernaturally or faithfully has experienced God providing miracles simply through my willingness to give and to give it all. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6-7, through 7, we read what the Apostle Paul wrote when he said this, Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This brings the counterbalance to this message so far. God says, I want you to give what you have in your heart to give. This is where we see that counterbalance again on the idea of our willingness to deploy our wealth. And use that word very intentionally, deploy. To deploy our wealth to make a difference in our church, in our community, and throughout all creation. This is how God wants us to approach. By allowing our heart to be in tune with who he is and what he's called us to do. Because the scripture tells us, and I've already referenced it once, God did not spare even his one and only son, Jesus. He gave him to us out of sheer generosity. Sheer generosity. You see right through it. It was not in a bad way, but it was just pure generosity of who God is and what he, what he wants us to have. And so he wants us to live similarly. But when we come to the point of giving, he doesn't want us to give reluctantly or as though we are being compelled to do so, he wants us to be generous with our lives in a cheerful way. Have you ever been, I don't know, revealed in how you look at giving? And at this point, I'm not talking about just your, your money, but also your time and your energy. There are times for me, many times, if I'm probably being honest, and I'm even qualifying that a little bit, right? Uh, when... I may not necessarily want to do something. I may not necessarily want to put myself out there or go somewhere or attend a, an event or a gathering or whatever. And then I go and I put myself out there. I go through it. And then toward the end, I'm like, man, I really am glad that I did this. Have you ever experienced something like that where you were really reluctant or resistant to do something because you felt like you were obligated or obliged to do it, but you put yourself out there and you realize that there was a blessing that comes through that? I think this also works uh, conceptually the same way is that there are times when maybe we have to come face to face or to confront our own confliction about how we are putting ourselves out there with our time and our energy and our money. But when we do, we realize what we see through the law of compensation and the law of promotion, that God is blessing and multiplying our time and our energy and our money. We put it out there. We put ourselves out there. And this is how God wants us to live because this is how God lives in with and for us and through us, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure we're all ever going to get this perfectly and purely right. But the acid test element of this, 
is that God wants us to constantly be thinking about where we are so prone to slipping up and slipping back into patterns of greed, jealousy, envy, scarcity, and to flip those around and to remember that God is generous and wants us to be generous. God is the source. He has never run out of blessings, and he's not about to. And he constantly is pouring into our lives, and he wants you and me to be a conduit of generosity with our time, with our energy, with our money, so that the world may see in whom we place our faith, the one, the source of all God's gifts and blessings and grace. And so I want us, as we bring, start bringing this message into a close, uh, I want us to look at four attitudes of giving that we can draw from our passages in Matthew and looking at the widow's offering as well as Paul's instructions to give in 2 Corinthians. God wants us to give thoughtfully. To give thoughtfully. Not haphazardly. Not like, I'm just going to give whatever I have in my pocket. Oh, nothing. How convenient is that, right? He wants us to give thoughtfully, to prepare, and to give as though we are giving the gift of life because we're giving so much of that, our faith as well. When we give, we are to give enthusiastically, to know that when we give and when we allow our enthusiasm to shine and to show through that, that God's blessings are going to continue to be multiplied. I'll tell you what, it did my pastor's heart a lot of good when Tammy mentioned when we start passing the baskets and people applauded. I was like, man, I was about ready to rush the stage right then and start preaching, right? <laughs> Not quite a Jesus jig, you know, just kind of a Jesus saunter. But we want to give enthusiastically, have the opportunity to give, to look for ways and places and spaces and faces where we can deploy our faithfulness or our generosity. God also wants us to give voluntarily. God wants us to give voluntarily. He doesn't want us to feel as though we are obligated or that we're giving because we're compelled to do so. Why? Because that hurts our attitude for giving. If we're not giving voluntarily, then chances are we're not giving enthusiastically and we're not giving thoughtfully. What we're thinking about is the consequences of not doing it. And if we're not giving enthusiastically, what we're thinking about is the threat of what we're not going to be able to do in the future. But if we are then cheerfully giving, which is the fourth point, what we see is that all of this other stuff comes into being. When we are able to give cheerfully, then we know what we're doing is making a difference in people's lives and in the heart of God. And then we can continue to give voluntarily. We can give enthusiastically, and we can give thoughtfully. These are the steps, the attitudes that God wants us to have when we consider being generous and living and giving in ways that blesses God, and God uses us to bless this world that is in need of him. Is there anyone in here this morning that thinks our culture needs less God in it? No? We do need more God, don't we? I don't think there's any doubt about it whatsoever. We need more God in the world. But where does it begin? Which brings us to the final point. What God is most concerned about is your heart. It is your 
heart? Is it calloused because of all the cynicism and the criticism in the world? And it's become so callous that it's almost rock hard? There are times, sure. Can God work wonders with a calloused heart? You bet you can. What happens if we've been spurned by the criticisms and the cynicisms in the world and we've gotten like Ebenezer Scrooge where more is never enough? That greed in there. We put so much love of money at the center and the core of who we are that we don't have enough room and space for the love and the grace of God to pour in or to flow through us. Does that mean that God is incapable of working and moving through the chambers of our heart? No, not at all. So if your heart is calloused this morning, or if it's been so filled with criticism and cynicism or fear, there is hope for all of us. And that is to empty ourselves of self so there can be more room for God in our lives. And oftentimes that begins in our approach to generosity and putting ourselves out there for Jesus. How are you putting yourself out there for Jesus right now? How are you looking at generosity and the attitudes that God wants us to have toward being generous with the resources that we have in our lives. And again, I'm talking about time and energy as well as money. Have we allowed money to become our master or are we allowing it to become a vehicle for service that through the things that we give and the way that we live, God becomes more known in our heart and in our lives? You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? That whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have life everlasting. And we are called to use and to live and to give of our lives to help point people to Jesus. And that miracle of hope and salvation and the assurance that comes from knowing that we are God's. Not God's as in plural, but apostrophe as. We belong to God. And God wants us to deploy our faith in him, our belief in the resources, since he's the source that he is the source and the giver of all. So friends, if you are finding yourself here this morning with a heart that is calloused or cold or rock solid, I know of a cardiologist who knows your name. Our Lord and Savior Jesus wasn't just a great carpenter. He is the ultimate cardiologist. And he wants to do what was promised from the Old Testament and into the New, to replace our hearts of stone with a heart of flesh that is soft, gentle, generous, and an outpouring of the love and the grace that God has put in your life and in my life and our lives to help serve the world. So let us take that concern that God has for our hearts this morning and allow us to deploy our faith in him through the resources that we have, so that the world may come to know Jesus because of the ways that we give and the way that we live, 
and the generosity of God. So if you've yet to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior to come and do that cardiology work in your heart and your life today, I want to pray that you don't let this day pass you by. Jesus is the embodiment of God's generosity. For out of sheer generosity, God gave us the gift of Jesus. And so if you've not yet received that overwhelming, overflowing gift of God's love in your life, don't let this moment pass you by. If you accepted Jesus days or decades ago and somehow allowed your life to get calloused and hard through all the criticisms and cynicisms that we experience in the world, this is a perfect time and a place to come see the great physician and say, dear Lord, mold my heart, shape it after the shape of your heart, and help me, Lord God, and all that I do from this point forward to be about living a life of deploying my faith, knowing that you are the source, you are the giver, as well as the gift, and so may I give that and share that with the world. As the band comes and makes their way up to bring us to our closing song this morning, I want to remind us of that song that we sang just before the message. I open up my heart to you, Lord God. Work within me to mold me and shape me to be the person that you would have me to be in the image of your Son and my Savior Jesus. For it's in the name of Christ I pray. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for today. Thank you for the love and the gift that you've given us in your Son and our Savior Jesus and for the call that we have to find new attitudes to give back into your life, into your world, through our church, through our community, and around all creation. Help the world know that you are real and you love us and you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. Forgive us, Lord, when we do not give thoughtfully. We just give haphazardly. We don't do it enthusiastically, though. We do it because of some sense of obligation. And we feel compelled to do so. Forgive us for that as well, Lord. And help us to be cheerful with the gifts that we have and the gifts that we can share. And by cheerfully turning our lives inside out, Lord, we realize that we become enthusiastically and thoughtful givers looking for as many ways as possible to help make you known. And so, Lord God, I pray for creativity now as we bring this message time to a close. That we may get creative in finding ways to bring a hope and hospitality to this world that is so dark and so cold and so lost and so much in need of it. And Lord, may we use the resources that we have at our disposal to give all that we have because you've given us all that we have to help make you known in our church, in our community, and across all creation. I ask this again in the name of the giver and the gift, your son, our Savior Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.